welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings those old-ass characters right back into your ear holes, and you love it, and we love it, and we're happy to do it for you every single other week. (laughs) Not every week, every other week. But I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, we have got a silly group of things for you. We are going to do a Goofy movie from 1995. We're going to review the Disney show, Tailspin, and we've got actually another Disney property. We are going to do a casting, a whatever-the-fuck casting, uh, because sometimes we cast those shows and those movies, but sometimes we cast whatever the fuck we want, and today is exactly that. We are going to do a fan casting of the Great Lakes Avengers. Kind of a small, small unknown Avengers team. Avengers, like, in quotes there. Yes. I guess they are technically Avengers, but kind of? Yeah. We'll talk about it more when we get to the casting. Yes. So, 1995, and we just talked 1995 last episode in our Mortal Kombat episode. What else happened? Did anything else happen that year? Absolutely nothing else happened. It was a boring ass year. Okay, this is going to be a quick episode. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Now, of course, there's plenty of happened in 1995. At the Emmys that year, Best Comedy went to the show Frasier, and Best Drama went to NYPD Blue. Yeah, Dennis Franz, I remember that. Yep. The Billboard year-end top 100 for that year uh, was a great song. It's a little oversaturated, I think, but it's still a good song, and that was Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. That's solid. It still it stands the test of time for sure. A couple other things of note that happened that year. That was the year we were introduced to George Foreman's Lean Green Grilling Machine that seals in the flavor without the fat. <laughs> you help create the lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine. That's right. This knocks out the fat. I had one of those, I think. And a man on death row by the name of Thomas Grasso asked for his last meal to be 24 mussels, 24 clams, a double cheeseburger, six ribs, two strawberry milkshakes, half a pumpkin pie, strawberries, and a can of SpaghettiOs. (laughs) And his final statement was this. I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti. I want the press to know this. (laughs) That's that's a good last quote to go on. (laughs) All right. Good job, buddy. Well, not good job because you probably killed somebody and deserved to die. <laughs> and that was some more things that happened in 1995. Nice. All right. Uh, let's just keep things moving along and let's get goofy with a goofy movie. A goofy movie from 95. This movie was directed by Kevin Lima, who directed a couple other animated features. You probably know 102 Dalmatians, Tarzan, but he also was a writer and he wrote the story for Aladdin and Oliver and Company. Oh, good movies. Uh, and he obviously has done some good work with Disney. This movie was written by Jim. I'm going to fuck. He spells it J-Y-M-N. So Jimnum Magon or Jim Magon. Magon, not sure. He, funny enough, he is our tie from our movie a goofy movie to the show Tailspin. He was actually the supervising producer on Tailspin. Ah, there we go. But he wrote this movie. Thought that was kind of cool when I was checking that out. Yeah. The movie stars Bill Farmer as Goofy, who Bill Farmer has been Goofy since since around the latish 80s, but he's like pretty much been Goofy for everything. Yeah. Uh, he also does Pluto pretty often. He doesn't have too many other credits. He's got plenty of credits, but like the majority of ones that are Goofy to not is kind of overwhelming. Oh, Bill. <laughs> 
Jason, son! Max was voiced by Jason Marsden. It's only Powerline Dad, the biggest rock star on the planet. Who we actually talked about before in our Hocus Pocus episode. He was the voice of the cat, Thackeray Binks. Oh, yeah. Roxanne, the love interest, was voiced by Kelly Martin. I, I liked your dance. Yeah. It, yeah? Uh, yeah, it's from Powerline's new video. I know, he's he's totally genius. She's done a bunch of different little things, but nothing that really stood out for me. Uh, now let's get into some bigger voice-named people. Pete, Goofy's kind of jackass best friend. Stop goofing around. We got work to do. He was voiced by Jim Cummings, who we've talked about before on many episodes. He voiced Winnie the Pooh in Darkwing Duck. I'm glad to see is voicing Winnie the Pooh in the live action movie that's coming out. Yeah, in the Christopher Robin movie. I was going to be very disappointed if they got some celebrity to try and approximate his voice. <laughs> and they did with other people, like for Eeyore. Although Brad Garrett, who's voicing Eeyore, has actually voiced Eeyore in some of the cartoon movies. So there's at least that. But Jim Cummings has been Winnie the Pooh's since the 80s. I mean, if they tried to use a celebrity voice, I think people really would have been upset. Yeah, yeah. Jim Cummings does some iconic voices and Winnie Pooh being probably his biggest one. I agree. PJ, Pete's son and Max's best friend. Look, Max, if my dad catches me with this, he'll kill me. Are you sure we got to do this? Is voiced by Rob Paulson. We've uh, with him. We've talked a hundred times about him. I feel yep. uh, he's done a bunch. Yakko from Animaniacs is the first thing that kind of comes to mind, but he's done a million things. Bobby, who is kind of like a smallish part and actually wasn't even credited in the credits, was voiced by Polly Shore. Hey, PJ, detention! <laughs> Who was probably one of my more favorite characters with some of the best lines in this movie. But he was kind of like the AV geek. That was obviously Polly Shore. He Polly Shored that one up pretty good. And without question, you knew this was going to happen. Our good buddy, Frank Welker, was in this movie. He did the voice, uh, the grunts, and the noises of <laughs> the Bigfoot <laughs> that was in the film. <sighs> Yep, it was inevitable. He's tied to a lot of uh, he's tied to a lot of Disney projects anyway, so he he never pops up. Oddly enough, there's actually just kind of looking at this list. There's a, a few celebrity stuff. Uh, Wallace Shawn obviously was in, and he was the voice of the principal. Ah uh, yes, Mr. Goof, this is Principal Mazer. I'm calling in regard to your son, Maximilian. But Genevon Oy did the voice of uh, Roxanne's friend Stacy. So my theme's gonna be Powerline goes rainforest. Too much? Genevon Oil was six in the TV show Blossom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, she was a cutie. You know, she's definitely one of those kind of like 90s, little bit of crushes kind of people. Yeah. yeah Joey Lawrence from Blossom was did a voice in there. Pat Buttram, who's done lots of, of classic mm -hmm. Disney stuff. We talked about Buttram when we did The Rescuers. Yeah, that's right. He's a very kind of like slow Southern voice. Yeah. And Dante Bosco did some voices, and he's best known as Rufio from the movie Hook. <laughs> Oh shit, yeah. I didn't know that we had a Rufio in here. Yeah. He just did it just says additional voices. He probably just did some of the like background kid voices or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. Yeah. Uh so a good cast. Disney doesn't fail in that department, that's for sure. No, they have good talent for sure. Music was done by Carter Burwell, who did some other stuff that you likely know some stuff that maybe we'll get to including the michael j fox movie doc hollywood oh i love that movie yeah it's a pretty underrated film in my opinion uh, he also did the 90s movie buffy the 
Vampire Slayer. Um, and then he also did a bunch of Coen Brothers films. So he did the original music for things like Fargo, Big Lebowski, Barton Fink, uh, a lot of other stuff too. Oh, nice. Uh, so, starting into the movie, right when we get, like, the opening a Goofy movie title sequence, we get the Goofy scream. <laughs> which I thought was awesome, a perfect way to start the film. Right. We kind of dive right into a dream with Max. They set up right away that he has got a crush on Roxanne, which I would say, she was animated very cute. Like, she was, like, you know, I mean, very similar to, like, kind of Gadget uh, and some of the other kind of, like, cute Disney romantic leads, if you will, even though Gadget really wasn't that. But still, like, Roxanne was adorable. You know, I'm not saying she was my number one <laughs> cartoon girl, but, but it was just like, oh, yeah, she's cutie. She is definite cutie. I will say this at the top. First of all, this movie's rated G. It should have been PG. Yeah, I mean, it started off with her in like a, like a flowy dress, and it was just like a lot of sexual stuff. They over-sexualized a lot of the female characters in this. A lot. Well, I mean, mainly her, but... No, I mean, look, if, if you look for it, and maybe just because I'm a parent, I notice it more. Because <laughs> I was like, I was watching it with my kids, and I'm like, I'm not really sure I want them to be watching this. Are you telling me that Disney is subliminally ruining our childhood by over-sexualizing stuff? It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Disney made me want to fuck a lion in Lion King, so I mean, it can do anything. <laughs> All right, we're just going to, we're going to move on from that. Uh, so back to this dream, we find out that it kind of turns into a nightmare and Max turns into his father, Goofy, and he looks really ridiculous. I'm assuming I don't have to explain what Goofy is and the history of Goofy in Disney. You know, he's an anthropomorphic dog and he's Goofy. He's ridiculous. I'm just going to assume that everybody knows that character. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Max has some kind of like big plan happening. He's kind of late for school, but he like he's trying to do something. Um, so he's trying to rush, rush out and we see Goofy. Goofy's being like a silly overprotective dad a little bit but just kind of like also one of those cluelessy dads who thinks his son didn't grow up past the age of five kind of thing and yeah you don't really find out anything about the mother but i'm assuming the mother passed away and maybe that's why goofy was so overprotective and a little bit or at least always just assumed his son was like the kid and and just kind of always uh, pushed that with him so we also get set up that their relationship is kind of strained because of that uh, max really just you know he's also a teenager and he does not want to be like his dad he thinks his dad is super uncool he's super embarrassed by him at all times are you excited for those upcoming years john uh when your son and daughter will just want to be the fuck away from you and maybe you can get some alone time or you're gonna be sad and you know wish that they still liked you <laughs> no i mean i'm looking forward to the years because uh, when they get older that can you can do more things with them but uh i want them to stay young as long as they can <laughs> I don't feel like we really had a strained relationship with our parents so much. No. At least I didn't. Do you think I did? Do you think they hate me? My God, do they hate me? Mom, Dad, do you hate me? <laughs> I don't know. You were the youngest one, so you were the brat, so it's possible. I wasn't the brat. <laughs> little bit i was the favorite there's a difference <laughs> i don't know all right well whatever maybe my parents love me maybe they don't okay so we also here in this early scene we also get set up uh we find out who kind of power line is because max has like a cardboard cut out of him uh really we just find out that Powerline is an idol of Max, and he's kind of like a music guy. Apparently, he was supposed to be kind of a mix of like Bobby Brown and Prince and a little bit of Michael Jackson or something like that. Yeah, I definitely see the Bobby Brown and Prince side. Yeah. Yeah, that, wor that works. And then, as Max kind of is getting off to school, uh, we get a song. 
You know, it's been a few years since I've watched this movie, and I almost every time I forget that it's a musical besides the Powerline songs. Mm -hmm. And this first song is about the end of the school year. They've been laughing since I can remember, but they're not gonna laugh anymore. No more Maxie the Geek, no more Goof of the Week like before. It's an okay song. I don't really care for it. It's probably, honestly, it might be my favorite of like the regular non-Powerline songs. Yeah, this is going to sound horrible. I was surprised as I was watching it and was listening to the uh, the song, I, I was like, oh, it doesn't really sound, his voice doesn't sound so great. I, maybe they should have gotten a singer to do the singing voice for Max. Oh. <laughs> well, apparently they did. That's not Jason Marsden singing. It's a guy named Aaron Lore, who's apparently a Broadway singer. I don't know if they're trying to keep in that Max is a teenager and they were trying to make the voice a little uneasy, which I could understand, but it was just sort of, I don't know. I was uncomfortable listening to it because I wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't dead on for me. Yeah, this movie, and we'll talk about it, it has some of the extreme highs and lows when it comes to Disney musical songs. Yeah. Maybe not even musical songs, but just Disney songs and movies. The ones that Max and Goofy Sing are just subpar, in my opinion. Yeah. I do also still kind of like that they had this one as a musical. It kind of helps with some of the pacing and just kind of get some things moving. So it's all good. Yeah. We get to school. We get some setup that Max is kind of a goof. He's a dork. He's crushing on Roxanne hard. I don't blame you, buddy. <laughs> we also meet PJ, who's his best friend. And we meet Bobby, the Polly Shore guy. And we get that scene. We get a scene early on of him eating Cheese Whiz. Get scrumptious. I love it. He has the best line in the entire movie coming up a little bit later, but him and his cheese whiz just fucking makes me happy, man. <laughs> I would say that when he hands him the thing and he... Uh, you're, I don't, you don't really exactly see what it is, but he goes, he does the cheddar, cheddar, and then cheddar. pulls out cheese and then shoves cheese in his face. It caught me by surprise. Yeah. Who didn't shove some cheese whiz from the can in their face before? I know I did. I did just last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably why we're both at an unhealthy weight. <laughs> But we also find out that PJ and Bobby are both kind of a part of whatever this plan is that Max has to impress Roxanne. We see, we meet the principal, voiced by Wallace Shawn. Everybody knows him as Vizzini in Princess Bride. Uh, he's kind of giving a, a end of the year speech. The boys, uh, PJ and Bobby and Max, they're kind of crashing it with this faux Powerline concert that they're they're putting on, if you will, of Max doing a version of Powerline's song, Stand Out. Stand Out is a fantastic song. So this isn't like really like a musical song because it's a song that's like from the universe. It's not really them just singing to move the plot along. Right. But that song, Stand Out, is one of my favorite songs to just go back and listen to when it comes to Disney songs. I put it up there higher than a lot of other Disney songs because it's fun. It's just It was very catchy. Yeah, so catchy. Very poppy. Out of all the songs in there, I probably did enjoy this one the most. 
Uh, to me, it's definitely the second best song, but it's still, it's it's so fun. So the voice of Powerline, who does the singing voice, is a guy named Tevin Campbell, who Tevin Campbell actually had a couple platinum hits. Uh, he was a multi-platinum selling artist. I didn't really recognize his songs, but his biggest hit was something called Tell Me What You Want Me To Do. early 90s kind of like slow jammy kind of stuff but it's good I, he's got a good voice i like his voice a lot for the singing voice of powerline the principal ends up catching the boys and they're busted and so shit they're in trouble goofy we find out that for a career he's a baby photographer at a department store I guess as is pete or at least they they both work there doing something not what i imagined goofy doing <laughs> no particularly not pete doing either right goofy we see is kind of worried about max and and just worried about you know he wants to spend time with him pete being the ever hard-ass guy that he is basically warns Goofy about Max might be in with gangs and he might be a bad kid. Pete, he's a former character and like in the old, old cartoons, he was like a villain. He was like a Disney villain back in the day. Yeah. They kind of revamped his character for them to be kind of like best buds or like, you know, not even like super close, but they're just like old friend kind of thing who keep in, who work together and that kind of shit. He went from being a villain to just an asshole. Exactly. He's a complete asshole. We now cut to the principal's office, and here we get the best line in the fucking movie, which is from Polly Shore. Uh huh? Max, look! It's the Leaning Tower of Cheesa! Huh. And I, <laughs> I love that fucking line. I've said that line a lot, and I've thought about it a lot almost every time I eat Cheese Whiz uh, or Easy Cheese. It pops in your head, man, and this one has lasted. <laughs> Is it just me? Yes. I gotta be honest and upfront. I'd never seen this movie until now. Oh, shit. Uh, that's, I guess, not a surprise because it was 95 and you were like 15 at the time. Yeah. This movie was past your kind of kid Disney-ish kind of days, but this was, I was 10. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, I was right in there. Like, I, I this came out perfect for me. You know, you're not starting to like feel things for girls, but I, I can kind of understand the Roxanne connection a little bit. Right. All that kind of stuff. This movie was in the right time for me, but it was, yeah, a little bit past it for you. So, okay. So this one is definitely my movie. This is my recommendation and yep. I'm excited. To, it's in my nostalgia and this is your first time watching it. Yes, it is. And you didn't love The Leaning Tower of Cheese I thought it was cute. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I'm not sure I would have loved that joke when I was 15 either, so. <sighs> you would have. I know it. <laughs> I know you would have. <laughs> okay, well, cool. Well, then we'll get a good uh, introspective later on your thoughts from someone who hasn't seen this movie before. We now see Roxanne and Max are kind of like awkwardly talking to each other and they awkwardly like each other. So sweet. They kind of bond over talking about Powerline a little bit. And there's apparently this Powerline party. He has a big concert in Los Angeles. It's going to be aired live. And so all the teens are getting together to watch that. And so they're going to go do that together. Yay. Max is getting the date. Good for him. The principal calls up goofy and warns him about max and it kind of ties in with the warning that he just got from pete and so now goofy's like really fucking worried that his son is gonna go to prison and be a terrible kid but of course he's a normal kid but goofy being his overprotected self thinking that max you know is still like a super young kid is all super worried about it the way that the principal talks to goofy <laughs> is only in tv shows because for one principals would never talk to a parent like that 
And as a parent, I would never let a principal talk to me like that. I'd seriously reevaluate the way you're raising your child before he ends up in the electric chair. Yeah, saying that your kid is just an, an awful and he's going to go to jail and he's a bad kid. Yeah, that's pretty shitty. Yes, especially using that tone, like the talking down tone that that he does to Goofy. First of all, no no good educator would ever do that. My educator defenses went up when I see scenes like <laughs> whenever I see scenes of teachers or or school workers like portrayed negatively, my defenses go up a little bit. Sometimes it's justified and sometimes what they're doing is slightly accurate or based in based in truth. I've never met a principal or an administrator who ever talked like that. Although I've heard stories. All right. Yeah, sorry. A little triggered there at the mo- at a moment. That's a- <laughs> That's fine. Just don't trust Wallace Shawn as your school's principal, and we'll be all right. Inconceivable! Because of this discussion and the other ones from Pete, Goofy is, like, freaked out a little bit about Max's future. And so here, he thinks that the solution is a fishing trip that he's going to kind of rebond with his kid and go on a fishing trip to this place called Lake Destiny. So that's the plan. Uh, We cut back to school, and... It's kind of the school day is done. Max is getting out and we kind of get some moments of some kids kind of going up and talking about how cool Max was for doing the thing he did with the power line. And we kind of get like, okay, sweet. Standout plays again uh, as he goes home. And right when he gets home, Goofy tells him they're going on vacation and Max is freaking out. You know, he just, fuck, he does not want to go. We get a lot of, in this film, we get a lot of not physical, but like kind of like that physical-ish Disney cartoon humor and whatnot. And I think it's still... Most of it works pretty well. Yeah. Seeing this so much later than, you know, when I probably first did from when I was 10 and I think I saw it. I might have seen it in theaters, but I probably saw it at least like a year or two after it came out on, on TV or something. You know, Disney Disney knows comedy. And with the, with the goofy style comedy, that shit is pretty much slapsticky and it just, you know, it lasts forever. Yeah. But you know, we get that Max does not want to go on the vacation. He doesn't want to miss this party. You know, this is his big shot to bang Roxanne and he wants that. But <laughs> Goofy. Goofy forces them into it, so they're going on this road trip. But Max at least gets Goofy to stop off at Roxanne's place first, and he tells her that he can't go to the party, and she's disappointed. She's kind of taking it that he doesn't actually like her, but, you know, that's not the case because, you know, teenagers don't ever understand real context. They just only realize the shit that's on the surface, so. But so she's disappointed, but Max, trying to ever impress her being stupid, says that, oh, no, no, he's not going to the party because he's actually going to the concert in Los Angeles, and that's where his dad is taking him. Liar! Yes, he's a fucking liar. Okay, Max, you're gonna get into some hot shit, I have a feeling, by starting this lie. (laughs) We'll see what happens. We start the road trip, and we get tension right away. You know, Max is not happy. We get a funny little scene of them trying to pick what music to listen to, and it goes back and forth, and they end up breaking the radio. But then we hear, after right after that, we get another one of their original songs, and this one's about the open road. Do you need a break from modern living do you long to shed your weary load if your nerves are raw and your brain is fried just grab a friend and take a ride together on the open road and again, this song, not good. I did not, mm-hmm. I don't really care for Open Road. I know you said that the, the some of the music does kind of help move the plot, but I'll be honest, I, to me, it would have been better if this movie was not a musical at all. Okay. Because I didn't need any of the musical songs. I mean, the you know, obviously the Powerline stuff, that's fine. Yeah, that's part of the actual plot of the film. Not yeah. like, yeah, it's not like replacing dialogue. So they're not actually musical songs. To me, it was pointless. I didn't like any of them. So you're 
not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I said, yeah, like it does because it's a musical and a song. It kind of helps things move, particularly for a kid. But as an adult, you can recognize that these songs kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. For the first night of their trip, they are going to this place, Lester's Possum Park. And it's just kind of like a funny, cheesy ripoff of, I don't know, partly Chuck E. Cheese to an extent because they've got like a bad animatronic stage show. But we get funny little scenes of Lester Possum mascot messing around with with Max and him smacking his head around and kids kind of tackling him. Just some funny moments. I like the Possum Park scene, honestly. What was that place that we stopped when we took that road trip in South Dakota, Wall Drug. Yeah, singing. There's a there's this animatronic show in like the back area for kids, and it was this gorilla, uh, and it probably had other characters too. But it was uh, singing Sam the Gorilla Man, <laughs> and he was this animatronic gorilla who played piano. And like I swear, like half of his fucking face was melted <laughs> off. And he was just like the felt was not sticking to him. It was ridiculous. And Wall Drug is like this big ass like kind of flea market in the middle of bumblefuck south dakota but it's very famous and you get like road sign advertisements for it like i swear like 500 miles in every direction from it yeah so you you know you're getting to wall drug when you get there but yeah it did it did remind me of that in in our childhood just because it's like oh you put in your quarter and it's a bad animatronic show So at uh, at Lester's Possum Park, we get Goofy is a bit of a dork and, you know, he's embarrassing Max here, just like all teenagers still, you know, they're just embarrassed by their parents. I, as I get older, I tend to believe is uh, a parent's job is to embarrass their children. Okay. <laughs> Having worked with teenagers, every so often you got to do something to bring them down to earth a little bit. You got to level the playing field. They get a little too out of their head, too into their heads a little True. Makes sense. And it's only a balance because when they're younger, they embarrass the shit out of you and it's annoying as fuck. So balance is out that you get to embarrass them when they get just a little bit older. Because your son has embarrassed me when I've taken him to places. (laughs) (laughs) There was a, I remember that one time we were at the Renaissance Fair in Colorado and he wouldn't stop crying. That was exactly what I was thinking about, <laughs> is he wouldn't stop crying for, like, no reason. I know. We went on a little carnival ride, and he wanted to ride the blue one, but someone already took the blue one, so we had to go in, like, the red one or something, and he bawled his eyes out, and it's just like, you little shit. It's just like, it was so annoying. God, he was annoying. Yeah, but he was, like, three at the time. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. their world. But, so, good. I hope you I hope you get to bring it back to him and just, like, shove it in his face <laughs> and embarrass the hell out of him, because cause he did that to us. Oh, I will. But because of all this anger and frustration between Goofy and Max, and Max just doesn't want to be around Goofy, Goofy's kind of a little sad now. They end up setting up uh, a camping spot, and wouldn't you know it, Pete and PJ end up showing up in that exact place very randomly. Apparently, Pete is doing very well at child photography. Oh, yeah, he's got a big-ass RV. Maybe he owns the department store. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I, I kind of had that thought. He was, he's was he got to be some sort of big wig at, at whatever place he's at. And he probably just got Goofy the job there because yeah. Goofy needed the job. And Not that we really need to deep dive into the background of the story <laughs> too much. Well... Maybe, but he's, you know, definitely, he's got a big-ass RV that has a bunch of extra shit to it, like a pool and all this other stuff. Bowling alley on top? Yeah, exactly. Here, in this scene, Pete gives Goofy some more advice about he's got to keep Max under his thumb. If you keep them under your thumb, they'll never end up in the gutter. That's his great parenting advice. And you've seen, I've seen these kind of parents around. Oh, yeah. And I hate these parents. 
And as soon as that thumb gets lifted, those kids go nuts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we kind of get Goofy kind of actually putting his foot down a little bit because Goofy wants to go fishing while they're out there and Max doesn't. And Goofy kind of like, he's starting to heed the advice a little bit and he kind of puts his foot down, so they have to. Um, and here, because they're doing this fishing, we get the setup of the perfect cast. Okay, now, watch carefully. You gotta be loose. Relaxed. With your feet apart. Ten o'clock, two o'clock, quarter to three, tour your pay, twist, over, pot of do, I'm a little teapot, and the wind up! Huh? And let her fly! The perfect cast. Which is kind of like this ridiculous, very goofy-esque way to cast out his line. But because of this quote-unquote perfect cast, he accidentally grabs a steak off of Pete's barbecue and throws it right where this Bigfoot is. So now we've introduced Bigfoot, as we talked about before, voiced by Frank Welker. And he kind of reels in Bigfoot, who chases them around, and they're all super scared, so they're like hiding off, and in, in, they go hide off into their car, and Bigfoot and kind of starts acting kind of weird, <laughs> just being silly, <laughs> silly comedic moments moments yeah it's dancing around and and they're stuck in their car and it's just kind of like being a silly bigfoot i thought it was a funny moment actually this this was one of the i think i enjoyed the scene quite a bit yeah it wasn't bad i mean it's a fine scene it just to me like bigfoot comes out of nowhere right <laughs> you know i'm just like okay well i mean like i'm already okay with being a, around a world of anthropomorphic dogs and or whatever right. you know all of these guys are but then you kind of just add in bigfoot it's just like oh okay so <laughs> now mystic creatures are all also here but like they're i guess they're freaking out but they're not as shocked that there's a real bigfoot as i thought they should have been right oh well well and that they recognize that it's bigfoot right away yeah yeah immediately uh but they're all trapped in the car and goofy and bigfoot are sleeping and, and Bigfoot's on top of the car uh, and they're all snoring really loudly. But this is sets up that Max, who can't sleep because of all the snoring, he ends up finding this map, the trip map that kind of Goofy was establishing was, was the trip that he took with his dad as a kid. And he obviously loved it and so he wants to recreate it. Max, in his devious ways, reroutes the trip so it ends in Los Angeles, which I thought was really fucking dumb. Why would he have it end in Los Angeles? Because Goofy knows that they're going to fucking Lake Destiny. Right. Like, he should have rerouted it so it goes through Los Angeles and he could make sure he does that there and then get to Lake Destiny afterwards. He's just, I thought it was a a weird plot hole and I didn't like it and it was just (laughs) dumb. Because if Goofy saw the map and he saw that the final circle destination was Los Angeles, he would have realized, oh, that's not where we're ending up. I know we're going fishing at this Lake Destiny. Mm -hmm. But if he saw that it was going just through Los Angeles, maybe he wouldn't have, you know, realized that as much. It just, it wasn't devious. And I've got to teach some Disney characters how to, like, (laughs) trick your parents better because that wasn't very good. (laughs) But very, very much luckily for Max, the next morning at a diner, they they get away from Bigfoot. I don't even remember how. Luckily for Max, Goofy decides that Max is going to be the navigator and Goofy's not even going to look at the map. So how perfect. Mm -hmm. Max changed the map and now Goofy's not even going to look at it ever again. At this point, he's letting Max pick all the stops, uh, which is good. Actually, I thought this was was fairly smart parenting because he wants to do the, the vacation, but he's allowing Max to do kind of like you know some of the attractions and shit and here we actually get some bonding of max and goofy now they're kind of like actually having fun and then after that montage they stop in a hotel and holy shit surprise surprise pete shows up again like what the (laughs) fuck is going on with this guy is he just 
stalking them you know he has this rich ass life but does he have no soul does he have no happiness to where he's just gonna is gonna follow goofy or is this just crazy coincidence uh i think it's just a crazy coincidence all right i don't that's not as fun i'd much rather have some crazy fan theory about maybe pete was like a a former cia sniper and and he had to go take a hit out on goofy and so he's just kind of like for years he's been being befriending him and now he's following him and he's gonna take the last hit at lake destiny when he gets there and hide his body in the lake that's probably you know what that's probably exactly what happened that's what's going on here all right we'll go with that yeah (laughs) but in this hotel pete overhears max and pj talking about what max did to the map and Pete goes and tells Goofy about it. And so now Goofy, you know, is a little pissed. He doesn't want to believe him, but he ends up going to check the map in the car. And pretty much he's heartbroken. He finds out that his son has been lying to him. And so this, you know, entire trip this of recently where things were getting good, he thought, you know, it was a good bonding experience. Now, not so much. Now it's becoming a real shit show. Uh-huh. We get a dramatic moment when they are at a junction and they have to either turn left to Los Angeles or right to Idaho. And again, it's pretty fucking obvious where <laughs> even even if he didn't realize Max was had changed the map, he's still driving and he has to see the signs right. that, oh, we're, we're head, supposed to be heading to Idaho. Wait a minute. Why are we going the exact opposite direction? Right. Whatever. Max, you know, in, in the pressure moment, tells Goofy to go to Los Angeles to take a left, basically. Okay, Max, now this is it. Left or right? Here, Goofy gets pissed and, you know, he pulls off to the side. They have a little spat and a little fight about just the trip in general. But, you know, I guess Goofy's not smart enough to actually put his car in park or or something. (laughs) He just left it in neutral and Max accidentally leans on it and the car goes rolling down this hill and hijinks ensue and they end up into this. Basically, it's kind of like almost the Grand Canyon or some some canyon with a big river in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. They're floating on top of the car as it goes down the river you know they they were doing some fighting uh, and now they're kind of i guess almost trying to rebond a little bit as they're just floating and we get the next song is one uh, it's called i think nobody else but you nobody else but you it's just our luck we're stuck together nobody else but you it's crazy enough to believe we'll come through. And this one is easily my least favorite song in the entire movie. There's only, I think, only like those three actual musical songs that we got. One at the end of the school year, the one that when they start their trip, and then this one as they're floating down the river on the car. And this one just sucked, you know? This song just it sucked. It's Goofy and Max singing the entire time. These three songs are some of the worst and just they're not catchy. They're not fun. I don't enjoy them. So they're done. But Goofy and Max rebond at the end of this song. Yay for their relationship. Max ends up telling Goofy about the whole story. So he kind of comes clean with Goofy and he tells him about Roxanne, this girl that he likes. Uh, And now so uh, Goofy's like, He's down to help. And now he kind of like understands Max a little bit better. And so he wants to help and he wants to take him to the concert and get him on stage because that was the whole thing. Max said that he would wave to Roxanne on stage because he was friends with Powerline or Goofy was friends with Powerline Mm -hmm. and he could get on there. And so he's really trying to impress her. And boy, what a dumb move. (laughs) Yeah, solid plan there. 
But just as things are starting to patch up with Goofy and Max, guess what happens? We get a waterfall (laughs) and we have a dramatic scene of them careening off this waterfall. And what ends up happening is kind of Max has this almost parachute, which physics are way the fuck off (laughs) on this scene because he has a parachute, but it just kind of stays floating in the air the entire time. I, I don't understand how it works that way, but... What it culminates in is Max has to do the perfect cast to save Goofy, who is falling off the waterfall, and he kind of is going down into the mist, and he gets him, and he pulls him back up. They both just kind of, I guess, float down on Max's parachute that yeah the, yeah the physics were so fucking off are you telling me that the physics in all disney movies up to that point were realistic <laughs> damn it <laughs> fair but still it just, it just seemed particularly bad here when max pulls him up with his fishing rod he then holds goofy on eye level with each other right and so like max's strength with this fishing pole is ridiculous <laughs> And then Goofy is just kind of like not even really holding on to the parachute and he's just kind of floating side beside him and they like hug. But it's like, who's holding go? Who's holding Goofy up? It was off. It was fucking off. But let's move on. Let's cut to the Powerline concert, John. We get the Powerline concert and we get, in my opinion, this is the best. And this is my favorite, like just one of my favorite Disney songs of all time. We get them starting off with the song Eye to Eye. I love that song. It's just so much fun. It's it's so catchy. And you have that extra like, female voice in there too. Eye to Eye is one that's on kind of like my, I have a guilty pleasures playlist uh-huh. on, on my iTunes. And, of, you know, it includes things like, you know, like like Rick Astley, things like like Snow that we've talked about before and former. Right. Um, some other like silly, like mostly nostalgic, shitty songs. And Eye to Eye is one that I can just, I can play this song and it amps me up, man. This song amps me the fuck up. <laughs> the Powerline songs in this movie are actually a lot of fun, which I, I just read originally was going to be voiced by Bobby Brown. Oh, okay. Uh, but they fired him because of substance abuse. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that is that is valid. <laughs> and probably the better call. I mean, I liked, I, I know that the guy they picked really wasn't much of a big name, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, but he did have platinum hits and, but his voice was, was, his singing voice was great. Oh yeah. And the songs were, those songs, the Powerline songs were fun. I enjoyed those. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 good. Well, we get some hijinks for them to try and get on stage. To no surprise, they end up ridiculously getting on stage and they do the perfect cast as a dance with Powerline. Silly, but but they make it on stage. Yep. Yay. So if you lie through your teeth to a girl, apparently you're just going to get it done and you'll make it happen <laughs> and you'll impress her. So way to go, Goofy Movie. You're teaching me to just lie to my parents and everything will work out yeah <laughs> so i uh i'm never gonna let my children listen to this episode yeah <laughs> 
They get back home, and actually one thing that's good, because Max 100% could have just continued with the lie. He got it done, you know, he got everything done, but he fesses up to Roxanne, which ends up working out, you know, she respects him, which is not a very teenager thing to do. No. (laughs) When, you know, teenage girls get lied to and told that they've been lied to, I don't imagine that they just immediately respect the person more for actually coming clean. I think they're just probably more so hurt about the lie, but whatever. It works out. He gets the girl. He got the little cutie. Good for him. And uh, the movie kind of ends with this funny moment of Goofy with a car exploding and and we end it with basically the the classic Goofy laugh. Yeah. And then as the credits roll up we get eye to eye again they, they reuse like stand out a couple times in this film and they reused eye to eye which is good because those were their best songs yeah i'll go first and because then i want to hear your opinion for me this movie is all about powerline and all about those powerline songs and when i go back and like if i talk about this movie with friends it's mostly us singing those songs it's not about us talking about the plot or talking about you know the relationships between max and goofy that stuff is honestly it's it's a way to get power line into my head and that's <laughs> that's all i need this movie from i'm fairly disappointed in the actual movie itself it's not that good of a disney movie and like the plot itself and the story is nothing special where you get some really good shit with disney this stuff is only okay but those songs like they just embed in my head for nostalgic love and i'm so happy about them that when they come up and they come up often enough in the movie that I'm cool with it. I still can get a lot of nostalgic value out of this film, mostly from those songs and, you know, from cute little Roxanne being, you know, a, <laughs> a, a cartoon girl who gave me a little some fun down there. And, and that that was that. Jesus so, Christ. I don't know, not anymore, but I could definitely kind of be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, I thought she was cute. <laughs> so, yeah, this is not one that you should go out and buy like I did. Uh, <laughs> you, this, is one, this is one that you should just get the soundtrack and then skip the songs that Goofy and Max sing, but just replay Powerline. Just go buy the singles of Stand Out and Eye to Eye, play them over and over again. They are like a perfect like party mix song. So, uh, yeah, that's to, to me, that's the best aspect of this film. Yeah, this movie bored the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) To further my point, I made my children put down their iPads and come watch this movie with me. And 30 minutes into it, they were both back at their iPads. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they both started hopeful. I was, you know, it's goofy, it's Disney stuff. They both, they both love that stuff. And I think the most excited my son got the entire time we were watching the movie was the scene when they're on the road and they pass by and you see Mickey and Donald for a cameo. That was the most excited he got the entire time. It's like, hey, it's it's Donald and Mickey, and then he was back to his iPad. At some point, I did, I I didn't even make them sit and watch it because I was like, oh yeah, this is. It's slow for me. I Obviously, I don't have a nostalgic attachment to it because I didn't watch it when I was a kid. I watch a lot of kids' stuff now because I have two children, so you end up watching a lot of stuff, and I generally like a lot of Disney stuff, but I don't know. This movie just didn't do it for me. It was too slow, and the songs, for me, weren't good enough to hook me into the rest of it, but like I said, I have no nostalgic connection to it. If you've never seen it, don't bother. 
it's not worth seeing. You know, if you want to check out the songs, go listen to the soundtrack. Listen to the Powerline songs. That's probably all you're going to get out of this. I know there were several other movies that spawned out of this that probably all went straight to video, but... Yeah, they did, like, they had a sequel called An Extremely Goofy Movie, which actually I don't think I ever saw, so I can't speak to that one. I remember, since I was 15 or 14 or 15 at the time, I do remember uh, when the movie came out. I mean, I remember seeing promos for it and stuff, but I remember at the time I was in high school, so I was not uh, not at all interested. Yeah. <laughs> Even in Roxanne? Huh? You didn't no. have any of that for you? No. Damn. Just me then. Yeah, just you. All right, Roxanne. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to this, girl, give me a call. <laughs> Tailspin. It ran from 1990 to 1991. It had a total of 65 episodes. Uh, It was on the Disney Channel, so another Disney property. And some of these characters, as you probably know, were adapted from the 1967 movie Jungle Book. So we get characters like Baloo, King Louie, Shere Khan, but they were all very different. Everybody was like, you know, more anthropomorphic animals Mm. who were walking around doing human stuff. Uh, They were totally kind of different from the character. Shere Khan was like this evil businessman kind of guy. King Louie was kind of ridiculous and he wore like a Hawaiian shirt and a (laughs) a big big hat kind of thing. (laughs) It was it was a it was a show that uh, it reminded me enough of like when I when we rewatched DuckTales, I think in our second episode, where they have a bunch of different adventures. They just go on a bunch of random stuff. It didn't really like always tie in together. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I, I did kind of notice around, which I don't think I ever really realized before, that the that this show was obviously set, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a period piece. You know, the planes were older models, even like the architecture and stuff like that. And, and most of their adventures are like, you know, dealing with older things. Some, I've seen, I saw some ones that kind of like deal with like archaeology or other random shit like that um, there's no newer technology going on and so i found out that the show was actually kind of set around like the late 1930s yeah so that's kind of cool the cast of this show uh we had ed gilbert do the voice of blue who we actually talked about this before because he was 30 30 in the show brave star hey it's been a good life i got no regrets I've done everything I ever wanted to do. We had Jim Cummings again, who was also, we just talked about him as Pete in a Goofy movie, but Jim Cummings did the voice of Don Carnage. I, I think that's how you pronounce Is that how you do it? Yeah. The feared pirate Don Carnage knows all that the feared pirate needs to know, you know? Who is the main villain of this show. And one thing that I saw on Jim Cummings' IMDb is apparently in the new DuckTales show they have jim cummings reprising his role as don carnage and also darkwing duck in the new ducktail show oh, darkwing duck's a show we're gonna have to get to eventually yeah we definitely will but i didn't i didn't realize that the new ducktails was like tying in some of those other characters oh yeah so i might have to give it a shot you know i i really wasn't going to at all i have i've had no desire to to care about this new ducktail show but if i know that they're bringing in like Dark, darkwing duck for like a cameo and yeah I'll, i might give it a shot yeah could be worth it baloo's kind of love interest or kind of like she's kind of like the the logical foil to baloo's ridiculousness is a character named rebecca cunningham voiced by sally struthers rebecca cunningham business major i've been looking for a failing company like this for some time who sally struthers is was an actress in the show all in the family uh and then she gained a bunch of weight and did infomercials <laughs> in the 90s that's what she's most famous for 
The main kind of kid is uh, this character, Kit Cloudkicker. Kit Cloudkicker, ma'am. I'm the navigator. That was voiced by a guy, R.J. Williams, who was a kid actor and did a bunch of kind of kid voices. We get this other character, Wildcat, who is kind of like the mechanic around the shop. This poor little guy was all clogged up. He was saying, help me, help me, I can't breathe, I got a cold. He showed up enough times and that was voiced by Pat Fraley, who was... Brave Star in the show Brave Star. Yep. We also had some other voice actors, uh, Charlie Adler, who we talked about in the Brave Star episode. He was the voice of Tex Hex and also Hammerhead in Dino Riders. He also did voices on the show. And to no surprise, Frank Welker did a bunch of additional voices and things like that in the show too. Yep. Can't be avoided. You're talking about cartoon, unless we're talking filmation, apparently. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about Frank Welker. Yeah. The majority of this show was all centered around Baloo and flying. And he was a pilot in this show, which, you know, I have no idea why the writers made Baloo uh, like his ace pilot. After watching Jungle Book, (laughs) I never would have thought like, oh, man, you know what I think about that big kind of blue bear? Yeah, he's probably wants to be a pilot. (laughs) You know, just whatever. It didn't didn't make sense, but um, it, it worked. But yeah, everything was pretty much centered around like their flight company and getting into wacky adventures because of that. Most often their adventures had them running into Don Carnage and that kind of stuff. He was an air pirate. And so he, he had to have a villain of the show. And so that was him. Yeah. Uh, I want to say that the the animation holds up. I thought the animation on the show was pretty damn good, honestly. Like, Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, Disney knows their animation. They're much better than like Filmation or the G.I. Joe show, honestly, in my opinion. Things like that. Like Things were smooth and it wasn't like very stagnant. It didn't seem like it was too uh, low frame rate. Yeah, the animation was good. And I think it, it holds up to where you can rewatch the show and not be disappointed <laughs> in, in at least the animation. Yeah, I w- ended up watching three episodes. I kind of spaced them out to kind of one. I did. I watched the initial pilot episode and then one kind of from one in the middle and the one kind of towards the end. And I mean, yeah, the later you go, the better it got because, you know, yeah, it, you know, any show just develops more and, and gets better into it. I thought it was fun. It, there was nothing about the show that stood out to me. I would say the one thing that stood out, the theme song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spin it. Let's begin it. This was another show. This wasn't like, you know, this wasn't a top tier theme song, but this was a good theme song for sure. Yeah. And catchy and sticks in your head after, you know, after watching the show a few times. I definitely agree there. It was a fun kind of catchy theme song. Like I said, the show was good. Nothing about the show blew me away revisiting it anyway, because it's been a while since I'd seen Tailspin. But I I mean, for me, it was fun. Yeah, I I agree. I very much equated the show very similar to how how I reviewed the DuckTales show. The show is fine. Like, this is this is a decent show, and I'm kind of glad that I just checked it out, but it's not one that's going to rekindle my spark to watch these episodes. You know, it's not yeah. it, it, it's not going to, like, make me want to see more like some of the other ones have, like the Batman animated series or Gargoyles um, or stuff like that, where I was just like, fuck yeah, like, I, I'm going to rewatch a lot of these now. Right. Which some of those I absolutely have. But this show, I mean, it, it definitely, it had its place. It 
had its time. And if I had kids, I would probably put this on for them. Or I wouldn't be, you know, disappointed in showing them this show. Like, I would I would know that, like, okay, they're getting something decent quality with Tailspin. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's kind of the same way where it's like, it, I kind of equate it to Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Similar. It's, just, it's fun. Definitely geared toward kids. I didn't watch this one with my kids, so I actually don't know how they would respond to it. I'll have to go back and, and show them a couple episodes. I bet they would. I mean, it's it's a decent show. It's not one that, you know, will probably engross them, but I think that they would probably like it, you know? Yeah. This is definitely was a decent filler show for the 90s of, like, Disney, you know, Saturday afternoon or some shit that, you know, we'd sit around and watch this and be pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, the show did actually win an Emmy. It won an Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. Oh, I believe it. Which I thought was kind of cool. But yeah, yeah, Tailspin. We don't really have much else to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> this one wasn't one that, I don't know, I we didn't, when I go back and, like, talk to friends and I'm like, oh man, I just loved this show when I was a kid or whatever, like the shows I talk about. Tailspin isn't one that I go and say, fuck yeah, this was like my favorite show of all time, but it wasn't. It was it was a good show. Yeah. It wasn't a great show, but it was solid and, and it kind of just continues that solid factor. It's not, I'm not going to be excited about it I'm not, and I'm not even like talking excited about it. So maybe a bit of a boring review, but but the show was, was fine. I bet you if you went back and talked to those same friends, they'd all be able to sing the theme song with you. Yes. Absolutely. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is brought to you by the George Foreman Grill. It's a special TV offer from the king of the grill, George Foreman. My lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine with built-in bun warmer delivers great-tasting grill food in minutes. Best of all, Knocks out the fat. Now, order the George Foreman Grill with spatula, two grease trays, and bun warmer in your choice of colors, plus the Lean Mean Grilling Machine cookbook. And you get a $20 steak certificate. You get it all. A $60 value. Just $19.99. Tell them the king of the grill sent you. Call now. All right, and now we're going to do our whatever the fuck you want casting. We are going to do the Marvel superhero, quote-unquote superhero team of the Great Lakes Avengers. If you don't know anything about them, they're kind of the butt of the joke in the Marvel world. Even though they have powers, and most of you know, they're they're not unpowerful. You know, they their powers are still cool enough, most of them, but they're kind of losers. They're kind of the misfits. They're they're kind of like the failures who aren't cool enough to get into the real Avengers. So they kind of made their own Avengers. And they're not the regular like New York Avengers. They're not the West Coast Avengers. They started the Avengers team near the Great Lakes area. Yeah. <laughs> they're not the A team. They're not the B team. They're probably not even the C team. They're really the, the D team. Oh, yeah. Their leader is Mr. Immortal. They also have other characters. They're, probably their most famous character is Squirrel Girl. Although Squirrel Girl was not an original member. Correct. She came on later. But they also had Dinosaur, Big Bertha, Flatman, Doorman, and uh, then another character that came on later was one called Good Boy, who's actually a female character. Uh, And we'll go into each one of them uh, a little bit right before we do our casting. So the thing that at least I thought about when doing this casting was, you know, I've read a couple of their comics. In particular, I've read them when they dealt with Deadpool. And there's a really good crossover of like a Deadpool slash Great Lakes Avengers comic that is, if you 
like Deadpool, it's worth the read and it's just, it's a fun one. I That's what kind of like made me enjoy these characters because they're just kind of silly and the butt of a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. They're not really, really good heroes. And so, uh, but they're trying. And so it's just kind of funny. If uh, you're all right, we'll just go ahead and start with Mr. Immortal. Cool. So he's the leader of the group. I think he put out like an ad to get just like an ad in the newspaper to start up his own Avengers in the Great Lakes area. But he pretty much has the power of immortality. And that's it. (laughs) And by immortality, I don't mean invulnerability. Right. I mean, he will come back to life. He, He can die pretty much. You can chop him up. You can do whatever. But he'll come back to life. Yeah. And he feels pain. And every time he comes back to life, he is like really pissed off and angry <laughs> because he just felt all this pain. Right. Uh, and so like every time he comes up, but uh, you like chop off his head. Pretty much he's just, he dies over and over again. He, I think he, you know, has some skills as a fighter, but uh, mostly he's just known for dying <laughs> and he can continue to live. He can, he basically, he will live forever. Yeah. So a couple of these characters, particularly Mr. Immortal and Squirrel Girl, are also going to be used for the Marvel show New Warriors. They haven't talked about it in the last like few months, so I haven't really heard an update about you know where the show is going to air and right. when it's coming out. So we were like, fuck it. You know? Honestly, they're not actually New Warriors. They're Great Lakes Avengers. So we wanted to cast our own versions and we decided we cannot cast the people that were already cast so mr immortal is going to be played by this guy Derek theller who i can't remember what else he's done i think some like teen drama ish kind of stuff maybe uh so he's going to be in the show no worries but we can't use them like we're gonna have i'm assuming like a great lakes avengers movie right and that's what we're making Although I will say this, uh, the girl who's been cast as Squirrel Girl, uh, Milana Vintrup, I can't pronounce her last name. I think she's perfect. She is a fantastic casting. She's a she's a comedian. She's funny as hell. She kind of looks the part. Like I really do think that that's about a, as perfect a casting as you can get for a character. I agree, but we we decided not to go with that just because it's already been cast. Yeah, and I but I agree with you. I am wholly happy with that choice she's most famous for being the at&t girl in the commercials but she's adorable like she just looks like she fits the squirrel girl part perfectly so i'm extremely happy with that casting yeah same for this casting if you haven't noticed these characters are kind of like doofusy and i think i think that's why they kind of fit with a goofy movie in general because they're they're just goofy fucking characters yeah uh, you know some of my choices are I chose very comedic actors because you, you've got to be able to play up the comedy aspect in this film. I actually did a little mix of both. Some who are known for playing kind of comedic roles, some who are not known for playing comedic roles, but I think could probably act the part either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did the same. So yeah, I'm curious to hear what you got. But uh, Mr. Immortal, uh, I'll go ahead and start off with Mr. Immortal. And as I mentioned, I kind of brought up, you know, his his power set. He's the leader of the group. So I wanted to have a slightly, probably slightly older gentleman than who is in the actual team. And he's a blonde in the actual team. But my guy is a brunette, but I don't think that would be a problem. I went with a guy who is a very funny actor. He's been in a bunch of things. Um, Maybe most famously, he was on SNL for a good few years. My Mr. Immortal is Jason Sudeikis. Okay, that makes actually a lot of sense given the character. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with him. My Mr. Immortal uh, is not someone who you'd expect in a role like this. He is much more of a kind of leading man type, but uh, he, I bet he could play up the the comedy. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I get the feeling like a lot of actors get pigeonholed into certain types, and when they want to branch out for things, it's a little bit harder for him. I went with Christian Grey himself. 
Jamie Dornan. From the Fifty Shades of Grey fucking thing? Yes. Okay, did you see that movie? I sure as hell didn't. No, I did not see the movie. Okay, I was like, did you watch that movie and be like, yeah, that acting is fantastic. He is my Mr. Immortal. <laughs> no. I Mostly I, I went based off of looks. Okay. Uh, yeah, he actually does kind of look like it. He's not a bad, he's not a bad choice. Yeah, he's got a good look. I, I like my call better because of the comedy aspect, but... You're probably right. So, all right, I'll take the win. <laughs> <laughs> Dinosaur. So, this character, who actually died in the comics. Yeah. And is no longer around, and they got, they needed some replacements, and that's when Squirrel Girl eventually came in. Uh, and we'll probably, maybe we'll end with Squirrel Girl, because she's like the biggest one. Yeah. But, Dinosaur. It's as if a human fucked a pink pterodactyl and dinosaur and it's d-i-n-a-h and then soar so it's two it's a first and last name and that but that's what she looks like she's like an anthropomorphic pink pterodactyl-y kind of thing uh she can fly she also has calming powers kind of like a little bit like mantis you know not nearly as powerful kind of thing right uh from the gardens of the galaxy but i don't know too much about dinosaur but i'll let you go first okay uh so I knew that the character dies in the comics and fairly early in the comics, I think. Not too long into the run. So I'm just kind of going based on look. I actually went with someone who's played a character similar to Dinosaur. Uh, I went with a British actress named Nev McIntosh. She's best known for playing the character Vastra in Doctor Who, which is actually kind of a human dinosaur evolved hybrid. Uh, and Doctor Who is a... I, I, so I am... Not a Whovian by any means. It's just it's it's not to say that I wouldn't like it. I've just never given it a shot. But I I, I I if I know or if I remember or if I kind of like I think I've heard like that show has some comedic moments too. Oh yeah yeah, it? it's like, funny. It's really funny. Okay, I do like this choice quite a bit because I mean I I don't know who she is and I've never seen Doctor Who, but just looking at like the pictures, I was like scouring to try and find somebody who has done like a good bit of makeup. And like who could who could handle like right. you know a lot of makeup for this role and yeah knowing that she has done sci-fi kind of actiony-ish stuff with Doctor Who and and also a lot a big makeup scene that works I like that call it might be better than mine but I think it's a good choice cool like I said I was hunting for different actresses who have done a lot of makeup before and who could like you know handle having all these prosthetics on them mm-hmm. that or kind of like some CG to an extent even though I don't think this character would be much CG maybe just some like stuff to, to to highlight some of their moments right i thought of someone who has done like cg work before in the movie ex machina and probably some makeup as well but i went with alicia vikander who is also the most recent tomb raider from the tomb raider movie oh okay but i think she's got a good look but in the movie ex machina she kind of had to deal with some some makeup and some right cg-ish kind of stuff in that film so so she's a little bit more of like an action star my person yours is probably you know yeah a little bit better of playing off each other and kind of a supporting role i you know yours might be the best choice especially if she does die early but i you know can't go either way yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna claim mine as the winner on this that's (laughs) that's fine mine's a little bit more of a badass you know being you know ex machina and uh and tomb raider so she's a little bit more actiony side but yeah i I think i i'm gonna begrudgingly give you that one as well One thing I, we didn't mention, but I want to bring up is because we are casting a Marvel film, I made sure not to cast anyone else who is currently in the MCU. 
I don't know if you did that or not. Uh, yes. No, I, I didn't cast anyone who was in the MCU. Okay. For me, that was fairly important because like if we ever wanted the Great Lakes Avengers to be in the MCU, I didn't want to over... I didn't, you know, I thought of even for like someone like Dinosaur, I thought of someone like Karen Gillan uh, because she has, a, you know, obviously a lot of makeup work as Nebula in guardians of the galaxy but i didn't want to go with that because i want my great lakes avengers to be canon baby it's all about canon (laughs) all right let's go over to doorman uh is a character i don't know too much about other than he creates portals so he wears like this kind of like all black suit and he's kind of got like diamonds shapes for eyes he can create portals he can kind of Come become intangible. Uh, in the comic, he is also uh, an African-American. I, that didn't really like come up all that much, but I kind of kept with that. But you could really cast pretty much anybody for this role. Yeah. I'm going to just go ahead and jump in. I stuck to m- some comedic choices, and I went with like a slightly younger actor, but he's not all that young anymore. He's probably like 25-ish now or so. I went with an actor named Tyler James Williams, who played the lead in the show Everybody Hates Chris. If you knew that one from like the earliest 2000s. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I really did want to try and stick to comedic actors. And so I thought, you know, he's he's kind of got like a lanky-ish enough look to him that I think could fit and could work for this character. So I'm, I'm plenty happy with that choice. You know what? I like that. And I also went with a character who looks very much like Tyler James Williams. I didn't go with Tyler James Williams, but I actually went with the actor Keenan Lonsdale, who is best known as playing Kid Flash on CW's The Flash or Wally West, also known as Wally West. Oh, yeah. They actually do kind of look alike. (laughs) (laughs) You know, CW's Flash is it's it's you know, it's an action show, but it actually is rooted in a lot of comedy. So I I think he could totally, totally play this. And probably both of our choices could probably be interchangeable and still be okay. Yeah. I mean, because he's going to be behind a suit the entire time, pretty much or most of it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What I like about yours is your guys had some a little bit more action. He kind of films. He was in Insurgent Mm -hmm. uh, and then also just being in The Flash. It's a little bit more of an action packed show than obviously everybody hates Chris was. (laughs) Yeah. Both pretty good choices. I might lean your way on that one. Okay. But yeah, I think either one of them could work. Yeah. I'll take that. Uh, Let's jump to probably our most offensive character. And it kind of was very hard to cast the the big lady herself, Big Bertha. <laughs> now, Big Bertha is fairly big personality, but she is a very very large woman. But she's she's kind of a mutant. Most of these most of these characters are actually mutants, and Big Bertha has the ability to alter her mass and her size. So, like in her regular form, she's actually kind of like a supermodel, and she's a supermodel, thin, tall, uh, kind of like you know that that classic supermodel look. But you know, at her will, she can alter her mass and become like this really large woman like almost like you know looks like the female blob yeah Uh, but she's also got enhanced strength and things like that as well when she's in that big size so this one is tough i'll go ahead and dive in okay this one was was pretty tough to cast because i wasn't sure if i wanted to go with like a larger-ish woman or if i wanted to go with the supermodel look and then it would be prosthetics or cg or other stuff like that to become but also like you're gonna need prosthetics for anybody because nobody's big enough for big bertha right and to be as as agile as big bertha is you you just can't do it so i stuck to the supermodel look and then they could fix things with makeup and cg yeah and etc if it's needed i went with an actress who actually was a model at one point she has done plenty 
of action stuff and she's a little bit older but not i mean she's still gorgeous woman and she could she could play big bertha just fine there's no like i don't think there's any like specific age requirements right for this for this casting in for any of these castings really maybe squirrel girl just needs to be fairly young definitely good boy i guess needs to be a young girl yeah but big bertha you know you can have a wide range of of ages in my opinion i went with the fifth element herself mila jovovich oh um, because she is she's like five eight she's definitely kind of has like that lean model-esque look to her she has she was a model you know when she was younger so i think it it fits and then she would get bigger and with prosthetics and, and that kind of stuff and so she would because of her action background she would be a good Big Bertha for me. That's not a bad call. She she is a little bit older than I went. I went a little bit younger. Not horribly younger, but I did go a little bit younger, I think. Yeah. I like it, and she's great. She could play the part. I went the same route. I kind of looked for someone who was a model. I changed up a little bit, though. I actually went with a Japanese model. Okay. Who is also actress. She was in the movie The Wolverine, but oh. I'm not really... Uh, I'm not really kind of tying that in. She hasn't had too many sort of leading parts, but she's uh, done a lot of secondary characters and stuff. And she's one of uh, Japan's top models. Her name is Tao Okamoto. I bet given the chance, she could do pretty well in the role. Yeah, she's tall. It says, according to our interview, she's five nine and three quarters. So she's tall. She's thin. She definitely has that model look to her. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool with that choice. Your pick is obviously the better tested actress. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah, mine, mine would be able to do like, you know, those big Bertha fight scenes because you're going to have big Bertha fight scenes right. in a Great Lakes Avengers movie for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you, you probably have the better edge. I was just trying to change things up a little bit in mine, so. No, I, I don't I don't mind it at all. I think that's a good choice, honestly. Not as good as mine, but a good choice. <laughs> all right, let's go over to Good Boy. Good Boy is actually a female. She is a youngish, like a teenager. She's a character that joined the Great Lakes Avengers later on in their run. And what's kind of cool about her is she turns into this big blue werewolf. Mm -hmm. And so she's a female, but then she like just turns into like this big scary werewolf and it just kind of, it works. But it's, it's blue is pretty comical. Uh, it would be, to me, it would be a total CG character. You know, it wouldn't even be prosthetics just because from the transformation and, and whatnot and to get like the movements of the blue werewolf. So John would love to hear what you have for your good boy. I just kind of went with someone who I just tried to find a good actress that could probably fit the role. We I know in one of our previous episodes we talked about Cuban Zane Wallace. I butchered that name. I really should like try and figure out how to pronounce her name. Yeah. No, I think Cuban Zane is about right, but yeah. Cuban Zane. Yeah. I forget what we what you cast her in. Uh, I cast her as... Oh, it was Mary Zero. Oh, from Agency X. Yes. I didn't want to reuse her uh, because you picked her. And I, even though, you know, these are all different properties, anytime we cast something Marvel, I try to not use the same actors because, you know, in my head, this is all going to happen, which is really isn't. But but I needed to go someone, kind of you know, a, a young black girl. This one girl has had a couple of good movies come out. I actually haven't seen the latest one, which was A Wrinkle in Time. But I went with the actress Storm read yeah oh yeah yeah she's she would be a good call yeah she was in some big movies like, like 12 years a slave and then yeah wrinkle in time which was a massive flop but that's a good choice i like that choice i she i think she's a little younger than who i went with okay but it's 
still a good call. She has the acting chops to like, you know, go side by side with Oprah herself. So mm-hmm. that's probably that's probably a good choice. <laughs> I fell back to a comedy angle to a little bit. Okay. I went with an actress who is in a very good show right now called Blackish. And she's I think around thirteen or fourteen right now. So maybe about the same age as, as your actress. Uh her name is Marseille Martin. And she hasn't done a ton of stuff. She hasn't done as big of films as your girl has, but Blackish is a very funny very good show right now that's that's out and so i think she would be a good choice and yeah marcy martin yeah so i think uh, to me this is is a toss-up yeah actually i used the other actress from blackish as my mary zero pick oh that's funny (laughs) Uh, you know what either i think either one of them could probably yeah yours would be a little bit older so it depends on how you want to how you want to go with that character but either one of them to me could work really well agreed so all right we're down to our last two and we're gonna go with flat man (laughs) Flatman has a he's he's pretty much a lot like Mr. Fantastic or Plastic Man from DC. Yeah. He can uh, elongate and things like that, but he's basically like 2D. Uh he's very very flat <laughs> in all of that as well, so he can kind of like, you know, squeeze under doors and shit. Yeah. So, good for him. <laughs> uh the character itself is kind of I think fairly bland. Uh, I don't remember too much of a of, from the comics that I read. Yeah, you know he didn't have like a massive personality or anything. I think he's kind of like flat, like like his character. Yeah, uh, I just kind of went a little bit on look. Uh, and actually, this is probably one of my biggest name actors that I chose for this film. Okay. So maybe he would end up having a slightly bigger role, but probably maybe not necessarily. So yeah, I I went. With Joseph Gordon-Levitt as my flat man. I think, you know, he's done some comedies and, and that kind of stuff, too. And he's done bigger enough to try and get, like, a bigger name Yeah. with this film. That's kind of why I chose him, because I think he's got a decent enough look. Like, I, I don't I don't have a great choice, but he's, I just, I'm happy enough with, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's fair, and he'd probably do a really good job in that role. In my head, Mr. Immortal was going to be more of your top billing star yeah yeah um possibly along with squirrel girl definitely uh so i didn't cast an actor who was too big name maybe a little younger than than flatman really was but not too much he can look older he's actually around our age so he's not he's not too old yeah we're not we're not young anymore john (laughs) yeah i know i actually went with the actor jason ralph who i best know on the tv show the magicians um he was also uh, on the TV show Aquarius with uh, David Duchovny for a while. Um, he looks a little bit younger, but he's a good actor, and I think he could kind of take this uh, Mr. Fantastic ripoff and make it a little bit of his own. Plus, the character itself, you could almost put anyone in there. Yeah, absolutely. Depending on how you wanted the personality to be. I don't know this guy. I haven't seen any of his work. I can't speak to him, so I'm not. I don't hate him. Right. I'm. I'm pretty. I'm. Uh, I am uh, <laughs> on Jason Ralph. Well, let's end our casting with the biggest little girl with squirrel powers of all time. Famously, Squirrel Girl, it's pretty ridiculous, the <laughs> legend of Squirrel Girl in Marvel Comics. She's got kind of like the powers of a squirrel, if you will. She's agile. She kind of has these little claws and she can communicate with squirrels. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, as John said, she is going to be played by Milana Feintrub, who most famously is the AT&T girl. And I think that is a fantastic casting. Yeah. I am very, as we mentioned before, very, very happy with that one. But we're not going with that. We have to choose our own person. I want to know who John chose for his Squirrel Girl. So, oh, 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 before we actually go into that, though, uh, I want to also bring up that Squirrel Girl in comics, like in canon, this is this is like legit canon comics, has beaten some of the biggest 
villains of all time in Marvel. Yes. She has like single-handedly beaten Doctor Doom. She has single-handedly beaten Thanos. It's almost, it's a joke. Right. Like it's really like a joke that they're doing with this character. She's been considered uh, the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. Yeah, she's won these battles, but it's by talking to squirrels and shit like that. It's kind of ridiculous. No real reader, I think, takes her seriously and they shouldn't because she's just kind of like a silly character, but she's very adorable. She's just kind of like known as being this cute girl who talks to squirrels (laughs) she's kicked a lot of ass yep so yeah so who did you go with squirrel girl is over the top you need someone who's over the top i mean i could set up a lot but i went with someone who is actually in consideration for the role of squirrel girl and would kill it i think milana was the best choice this is my biggest named actor for sure on my list i went with anna kendrick Oh, okay. She's very cute. She's short, brunette, very much like Squirrel Girl. I actually saw her. I kind of didn't run into her, but uh, I passed by her at LAX, and she was much shorter than I even like realized oh. when I passed by her. But she is adorable. And I also went with Anna Kendrick. <laughs> nice! <laughs> so, I wondered if we were going to have yeah. a, a similar casting anywhere. Yeah, I didn't think we were, but Anna Kendrick, I mean, she definitely looks the part she is very cute she she is a big star and so she would kind of help lead this movie yeah she's born the same year i was we're 32 she still looks like she could be in high school (laughs) so she can play a huge age range yeah honestly so i think i think that is a very good good call yep uh and that is our casting of the joke of a team that is the great lakes avengers is it a joke or is it the greatest team ever assembled Please join us next time for a summer camp-themed episode. We review the 1995 film Heavyweights, the 90s Nickelodeon show Salute Your Shorts, and do a casting of the 90s video game Curse of Monkey Island. If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at at Blast Past Cast. That's at Blast Past Cast on both Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. <laughs>